You're listening to the Treasuring Christ Church podcast. At TCC, we believe that church isn't just like a family, but it is a family. We hope you're encouraged by listening to God's word today, but we would love to see you on Sundays at 1030. For more information, check us out online at tccannarbor.com. You guys can be seated. Thank you for being here again. Once again, I'm Chris. Um, Today, we are going to be continuing our study in the Ten Commandments. And so if you haven't been present for this, that's okay. Uh, we're doing one command a week. And in short, they're all online. So uh, I would highly, highly recommend you kind of checking it out. We did two weeks of introduction. Uh, and then we've kind of worked through one command a week. So today, as we've already talked about, it's going to be commandment number five. Honor your father and mother. And we're going to tease through this. I'm not going to lie to you. Prior to prepping this week, it's been an extremely busy week for me at work. So I got a couple hours Tuesday, a couple hours Wednesday, and then it was all Friday and Saturday. So it was a lot of prep time, and I really didn't think there'd be a whole lot to, to work through um, just to be transparent, uh, you know, but turns out there is. Uh, so for the next hour and a half, we're going to be, uh, just kidding, uh, hopefully for the next 40 minutes, uh, maybe a little less, we're going to be working through the fifth commandment um, and how it applies to us. So um, Exodus 20 uh, verse 12 was just read, a little bit of recap to kind of recap what Michael worked through last week. We worked through honoring the Sabbath, and uh, if you missed it, perhaps um, that's okay. It's up on our podcast. I'm going to give you uh, four points that I hope pique your interest enough for you to go back and listen to it this week. But the first of these is the Sabbath is first established in creation. Secondly, the Sabbath is a commanded law. Third, Sabbath rest is a very serious thing. And then fourth, Sabbath was fulfilled in Christ. And so maybe you have all these questions. That's a good thing. Go listen to it because I'm not going to give you any more of that. So um, this morning we're shifting into commandment number five. Now I say shift for a reason because this is a main shift in the Ten Commandments. The first four deal with what we would consider to be more of our uh, vertical relationship with God, right? Our affection toward God, our love for God, the foundation of all of our obedience. And then when you get to commandment five through ten, all of a sudden you start dealing with horizontal relationships. So it starts with the familial unit. It starts with mom and dad, and then it works its way outward. So a simpler way to say this, maybe I should have said this in the first place, the first four deal with honoring God, the last six flow intelligibly out of that. So we discussed, and, and once again, I'm still kind of recapping a little bit because what we're trying to do for all of you is to, is to tie everything together. When, when we worked through the first commandment, we talked about how the first commandment really is the foundational command for all 10 commandments. And then command two through four further bolster that. Remember, we talked about having no other gods. So here's the deal. If you have other gods in your life, other than the one true God, whether that God is your children, or that God is your job, or your money, or your status, or your car, or whatever the case may be. If you have another God that has a place in your life over the Lord, your life will absolutely be shaped by that God. So we talked through the very first commandment tells you don't do that. Don't put anything over God and then honor him, right? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't have idols. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. So we've got the foundation. And then when we get to commandment number five, now we're working that out. And it starts at home. It starts with mom and dad. It's interesting to me, uh, and we'll talk to this side note in just a minute. So, so let, me, let, me, let me caveat that for a minute, or set that aside for a minute. So, so let me read it to you again. Uh, verse 12 says this, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Praise, uh, Lord, pray, I, I praise you, Lord, for your word. I praise you that it's truth. I praise you that we can study it together and your spirit can give us, Lord, uh, a real truth in our lives for today. Lord, it, it's, many say the Old Testament is not applicable to our walk with the Lord, and that is so false. So, Lord, I pray now that you would help me rightly divide your word, and I pray that we would receive it for your glory, and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I found this really cool illustration uh, by Al Mohler, so I'll give it to you, uh, but just so you know, I'm not taking credit for it. But it, it's a really interesting illustration nonetheless. So um, the context is France, 2004. You may have heard of some of this. I had never heard of it, but um, I'm also not the guy that watches the news all the time. So a uh, heat wave actually spread throughout Europe. And uh, 15,000, what they would consider elderly persons, died. In this heat wave that's that's a pretty large number right in 2004 we're not talking about 
prior to having electricity. Uh, and what shamed the nation the most is that many thousands of those elderly parents were allowed to die abandoned in their homes. And why? That their bodies were left in their home as their children and grandchildren went on family vacation without interruption. Isn't that wild? They neglected to take care of their own grandparents and parents. And so what happened? The French government actually made this a matter of national law. So Article 207 of the French Civil Code now says that adult children are legally responsible for their elderly parents. Now, why would I lead with this? One, because I wanted to get your attention because it's a pretty cool story. And I don't want you to fall asleep because the chairs are really comfortable. But the other reason, and more importantly, is there, there's something deeper going on here. There, there's, a, there's a deeper rooted human heart condition issue. In fact, the, the, the fact that there's a, 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 a commandment that says honor your father and mother signals to us that there is a sinful temptation not to do it. And some of the parents in this room are like, can I get an amen? <laughs> right? There's something deeper here. There's a reason why God, of the ten main commands he gives us, says, honor your father and your mother. Our modern world, by the way, if you haven't looked around, continually seeks to destroy this at the foundational level, um, especially the father and the mother familial unit. I put this on the, the slide because it's a long quote that I kind of pieced together, um, so it's not really a quote, but um, it, it's a really important one nonetheless. It says this, this is simply, tearing this down is simply not detrimental on the surface, but it has far-reaching generational fallout that would remove the foundational relational structure the Lord has designed to teach us on the most practical level how to relate and honor and submission to our creator. Let me read it again, because I needed to read it like five times to get it, okay? It's not simply detrimental on the surface, but it has far-reaching generational fallout. Okay, we got that. It would remove the foundational relational structure that the, that the Lord has designed to teach us on the most practical level how to relate and honor and submission to our creator. Moeller teases this out further since we're kind of in the realm of Al Moeller. He says to abandon father and mother is to dishonor the creator who made us. Now that's a pretty strong statement. Now a bit of a side note, um, I, I want, but nonetheless foundational. How are we tempted to read this commands? I don't know about you, maybe you can relate to this, but typically speaking, I could almost see some of the parents when we talked about we're going through commandment number five, you're like, yes, I'm glad my kids are in this room, right? Because now they're gonna hear from one of their pastors that they should listen to everything I've been asking them to listen to. And that's, no, that's true, right? Kids, eat your broccoli. You should eat your broccoli if your parents give it to you. You know, do what I've asked without groaning, right? Go clean your room with joy, all these things, or you know, maybe I can get an amen from some TCC parents. Please tell me you listened in class this morning so you got a sucker, please, please. That's kind of the litmus test for my family. It's many lunch conversations. If one of my children doesn't have a sucker, we're in trouble, right? So, uh, but, but all of that said, it's interesting to me that we're tempted to read this as if God's only addressing children. Like, th think about that. Like. Like God deals with all these like super big, important foundational commands in one through four, and then all these adult things in commands six through 10, but he just threw a command in the center at commandment number five to make the kids feel included? No, 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 no. When these commands were given by God to Moses, he wrote these commands to his chosen people. Nonetheless, kids were included in that. But he was talking to the people of Israel. And now under the new covenant, he's talking to us. This command is just as applicable to you and I, even if you're not a little child. He's addressing us. It applies to us. What we want to do is understand how. So we're going to tease out some very uh, various aspects of this command. Um, but at the very foundational level, the command to honor our father and mother is one that addresses our most foundational earthly relationship and catch this it will inevitably shape all other relationships in your life including your relationship with God to quote Moeller one more time because his book's awesome we either come under the authority of our parents willingly or we respond to that authority with a spirit of rebellion. Our response to our parents indicates how we will respond to our creator. 
I know some people in this room, multiple of you, that can absolutely testify that to in your own experience right now. It's heartbreaking. Look at verse 12 again, just 12a. Honor your father and your mother. Okay, so we got it, Chris. You said it three or four times. It's clear, cut and dry, it's concise. We should honor them. But what does it really mean to honor? Because I even had this conversation with a friend last night who's a pastor in another state, and he immediately went a direction that I think my heart's tempted to go to. So we're gonna peel this apart. I wanna set a foundation, then I wanna think through it together. So we've already mentioned the first command, commandment number one is the foundation for the first four. Commandment number five, don't miss this, commandment number five is the first foundation for the last six commandments. So uh, honoring your father and mother, all the other civil commands that come out for the rest of the 10 commandments flow out of commandment number five. To explain this further, the first and foundational outflowing of submitting to God in your life is to honor your parents. In other words, if you cannot honor and respect God and his God-given authority with parents in your life, the chances of you obeying civil authority and the authority of your peers and of your pastors and of your teachers is slim to none. And furthermore, when you find yourself not honoring your God-given authority in your life, likely you'll find that your relationship with the Lord is weak, if at all intact, period. It all flows out of that. St. Augustine said this, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? In other words, if you fail to honor your parents, who will you honor? And honor doesn't just mean honor it when it feels good. It doesn't mean when you want to. It doesn't mean when it's easy. It means honor your father and your mother. Now, there's a lot of questions swirling in your mind. Trust me, I know they're there. We're going to deal with them. Don't glare at me too hard. <laughs> Kevin Young, in his book, The Ten Commandments, says this. The parental relationship is the first and most important relationship. It shapes all other relationships. When you come across a kind and considerate and a capable student in your class... If you're a teacher in high school or a student in college, or you come across someone in your workplace who seems hardworking, conscientious, responsible, and considerate, more often than not, you owe a great debt of gratitude to that person's parents. Now, there's all sorts of exceptions, good parents with bad kids and bad parents with good kids. But in general, that's the way the world works. That's the way God designed it. Horizontal, relational honor and respect for parents. That, that's where it all starts. That's where we learn what it means to honor our creator and all others in our life. Here's some passages to consider. Exodus 21, 15. Whoever strikes his father or mother shall be put to death. Boom. It's pretty harsh, right? Good news is to relieve your fears and to young helps us think through this. The truth is under the new covenant, Christ has borne that consequence. Okay. Uh, we're no longer going to be put to death. Uh, don't hit your parents, please. Uh, but you're no longer going to be put to death, necessarily, in some cultures you might. Um, because those civil laws, the civil laws like this, they've been transposed into the order of the church with membership and structure. And Christ bore the weight of all this. But I want, I want, to, let you, I want to let verse 15 sink in just for a minute. That's pretty serious, right? It's a really, really serious thing not to honor our parents. And we're going to talk about why. It, it's a big, big deal because there's a lot at stake. We'll work through all of these things in, the, in a minute, but at the, at the very foundational level, number one, God's glory is at stake because he's commanded you to do it. But then it's good design of how we are to learn and how we are to grow and mature. It's at stake as well. Douglas, in his commentary on Exodus, he says this, that commandment number five is actually the command positive of Exodus 21, 15. In other words, they're kind of saying the same thing. It's just as important. Honoring, honoring your parents is a very serious topic. So in Christ, although the punishment has been paid, the importance doesn't, doesn't go away. It's perpetual. Another verse to consider, Ephesians 6, 1. My kids can probably quote this. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Okay, we, we, we probably know that. TCC's kind of pushed some of this um, in some of our discipleship time. Uh, obeying parents is the right thing to do. We get that. We can see that in numerous places throughout Scripture. And although this commandment is not just talking to children, it absolutely does include them. Okay? When he gives commandment five, it's adults and children. Everybody's involved. So, honor. Honor, honor, honor. What does honor mean? What does honor mean? 
We get it, Chris, on your pants. What does it mean? John Calvin helps us define this, and we're going to work through these three words. Uh, he says it's reverence, obedience, and gratitude. I think those are really helpful words. There's a lot of writing out there on this, but these three were pretty helpful to me as I kind of thought through it. And so he continues to point out the fact that when it comes to parents, the name of our Heavenly Father is a sacred one. And in some respects, it's transferred to men when he creates us, right? We're image bearers in some capacity. We, we bore the image of Christ. And so your parents are image bearers of the one true God, just like you are, by the way. And that image is transferred to them by his peculiar goodness. And no one can despise his father and his mother without being guilty of offending God. Let's play that out into all other areas, whether it be helping uh, any type of, of group that you see you want to help, right? We, we would say um, some more vulnerable in our world, that they're made in the image of God too. And if we choose to sin against them, we're sinning against God. The same thing comes about here. When you choose to sin against your father and your mother, you can't do it without offending God. It's not possible. So, God's sovereign over all things and our obedience to his command absolutely relates to how we submit to his authority in our life. Let's think through these three words. Number one, revere. This is a deep honor that would result in some form of respect and most of the time obedience, right? We revere God because of his majesty. So because of this, we revere our parents. Even when our parents are at the lowest point that we would consider them to be worthy of honor, we honor our parents. We can condemn their sin in humility, by the way, but that does not remove the requirement to honor. There's a few barriers here, if you're sinful like me, that I think are going to try to prohibit us from doing this. The barrier number one is this. It'll go against much of our modern society. All around us, you'll see this idea of self-actualization, right? You can go through and think through this from modern psychology terms. And this self-actualization, this type of pursuit, it often involves completely shirking all heritage and pursuing this, this type of rebellion and self-truth. And so a lot of modern society would say, you can't become your full self and fully self-actualize if you don't shirk everything that you've come from. Does that sound familiar? The scriptures couldn't say anything different. Am I saying to you that there aren't things you learn from your parents that you should toss out? Absolutely not. Because my kids are sitting in this room right now and I know one day they're going to be old enough to say, oof, I don't want to do what dad did because I'm a sinner. So what I'm not, to, I, I watch it now. <laughs> what I am saying though is, is you, you don't throw it all out. That's, that's counterintuitive, and it's absolutely not what the Scripture teaches. So if we fail to honor our parents, we lose all kinds of things. Just to name a few, wisdom, culture, experience, and tradition. We could probably add more to that list. And, and what do we do? We begin to blame everything in our lives on them. And we take no responsibility for our own sin. You see this all around you, guys. Is it going to be my responsibility when my kids make some choices in their life to an extent? Yes, because I'm a sinner. But it doesn't mean they don't share it. And we're going to have that conversation openly in our home. And Amy and I are going to continue to say sorry to our kids, but they cannot throw everything out we've taught them. And I pray to, to this day, and we'll continue to pray as does Amy, that they don't do that. So what's the second barrier? This call to honor will also come against the normal fleshly response that will raise its ugly head. What do I mean by that? We will be attempted to avoid honor because they've hurt us or because we're prideful or maybe a little mixture of both, right? We'll tease this out a little bit more at the very, very end in about 30 or 40 minutes. Just kidding. Uh, but in short, none of us are always at our best point. I tell this to my team at work all the time. Look, because someone will say, I'm sorry. And I'll say, you know, I forgive you. But look, you are never always at your best or your worst. We never are. Sometimes you're at best. Sometimes you're at worst. And I don't want to be judged for that, nor, nor should you, right? And God certainly doesn't respond to us that way. So guess what? The same is the case for our parents. They're not perfect. We understand that. 
But if they don't know Christ, we should be heartbroken over that and we should seek to be the gospel to them and to be long-suffering and to pray that they would repent and believe. And if they do know Christ, we should want to encourage them and see them grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ to grow into spiritual maturity. And so if we respond out of pride and out of hurt and we choose not to honor, we miss all of that. I, you know, one example, I, I texted uh, or called a student this weekend when Amy and I were, uh, when I was a youth pastor years back, we had a student that had a difficult family life. Um, dad wasn't really around and um, she was considering going to Amy's alma mater where Amy ran track. And um, basically Amy and I wanted to take her down there and show her some colleges, I mean, sorry, some churches and she was gonna spend the night with one of Amy's friends. And so me and Amy and daughter and mom get in the car on a Saturday morning. I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. And we get about 10 minutes up the road. We're all packed up, right? because Amy and I were coming back. Mom was in another car, actually. Uh, daughter was with us, they, or they may have been in both cars. Anyways, that doesn't matter. We get about 10 minutes on the road, and my phone rings. And the person on the other line was this young lady, and she says, my dad has decided to come home today, and I have to be home tonight. And Amy and I are like, what? Like, how do you, you can't just like, She's like, yeah, my dad's demanding that I'm home tonight, so I can't spend the night. And we're like, well, we're gonna go visit the college and that's important, but we also wanna let you see this church. And so Amy and I are like, and she was like, I'm sorry. You know, and I, you know, as unfortunate as that was, I will never, ever, ever forget how mature this young lady was. She did not agree, but she honored her father. And you know what that turned into just last year? So we pushed off, like when she was living in her own house, her dad wouldn't come. To church uh, to see her be baptized but wouldn't allow her to be baptized until he came and so we waited and I counseled her through that and then when she became you know 19 or 20 we ended up baptizing her he's fine he's, he's actually come home I don't know what the situation is going on right now but he's watched his daughter not be perfect at all points for sure but the Lord is restoring that relationship she honored I've never seen anything like that most of us would be like yeah, right. She honored her father. Even though she didn't want to, she honored him. And I think God is gonna bless through that. I really do. The third barrier, honoring might always might not always make sense or have visible and or immediate effects. We church must resist the sin not to honor and trust that the Lord doesn't ask us to do arbitrary things, right? By the mere fact that God is asking you to do it, if you trust him and you believe that he's good, then you know that what he's asking you to do is not nonsense. It's not arbitrary. He's asking you to do it for a reason. In fact, this comes down to a deeper rooted trust in the sovereignty of God. A lot of times my son Hudson, he's kind of getting to that age where he's my little buddy, right? And he'll argue with me a little bit, believe it or not. And I'll look at him and I'll say, buddy, do you trust daddy? And he'll say, yeah. And I'll say, well, then obey. And he does. I'm just kidding. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. But, but, but the point is this. Do, do you trust God? If the answer to that question is yes, then obey. And trust that he's asking you to do something that's for his glory and for your good. So even though doing it may not make much sense in the moment or it may be really hard or it may not have visible Affects it absolutely is important and we should obey. Okay, so revere. Now, secondly, obey is the word that Calvin gives us. We should obey our parents. Now, I hope this goes without saying, but we are to obey unless this goes against the commands of the Lord. Okay, Ephesians 6 1, once again, it says, Obey your parents in. You can yell it out. That's right. Obey your parents in the Lord. In other words, if obedience to what your parents are asking of you involves unrighteousness or obedience, it's not required. Okay? So, obedience is involved in honoring, but when you are unable to obey your parents because it dishonors God, you can still honor them. Did you hear what I said? Good. You must obey your parents, even when you think you know better, even when you don't want to, even when it may take longer, even when you think by doing it, it's gonna you know, hurt your reputation, whatever the case may be. Obeying your parents is always what's best unless it is in righteousness. The, the familial or the parental unit here, the mom and the dad unit, is the primary practice and proving grounds to grow into love for God and into maturity. 
Did you hear what I said? This is the primary practice ground for us to grow into a love for God and into maturity. You learn all kinds of things like restraint and self-control and wisdom. These incredibly important muscles for life and and the motivations behind what we do, they're, they're all grown. They're meant to be grown in the familial relationship. Here, here's a few examples. Obeying your parents when they can't see. I'm sure you kids always do that. I'm sure you guys always did that, right? I did, I know. Obeying your parents when we can't see. We know that the Lord sees all things and developing this muscle is an important reminder of the closeness and omniscience of God. If we, church, if we can learn to obey our parents when they're not lurk, looking, you know how much higher the chances are that you're going to obey God when he's quote unquote not looking? We, we learn this in the parental unit. Secondly, honoring and obeying a horrible boss or a teacher or a challenging friend. Has anyone ever experienced that in your life? Yes. So you learn how to best do this in your home. Does that mean that you have to have a horrible parent? No, I don't think that Amy and I are horrible parents, and I don't think that there are any horrible parents here, but you're not always the greatest, and you're not always the easiest to get along with. And so kids, and as older kids, if we can learn in the familial unit to do what's right and to honor even when we don't want to, we're building those muscles of restraint and of self-control, right? The fruit of the Spirit. The Lord designed it that way. Another example, when we're placed on a team in any context, I hate team projects, just, just so you know. They don't get any better in the corporate world, I can assure you. But you're put on a team and maybe you're not in charge and you think you know better. Maybe you do, I don't know. But when, when you're in your home and you obey your parents, even when you think you're no better, when you know better, even when you think you're smarter, do you, you know what you're learning? You're learning to be quiet and to kindly serve and to give honor where it's deserved and respect. And we have a thing in our home where we tell our kids, not every time, but if you want to respectfully appeal, that's fine. But do it respectfully and don't do it every time. More often than not, I want to see you respond with a okay and do it without grumbling. But even with a respectful appeal, Dad, I, I, I will obey you, but I really, I really thought about doing this. Can you imagine how much better <laughs> that would be? We learn that in the family unit. Obey. We, we, could, we could continue to give examples, but we must obey our parents. It doesn't just honor God, but it comes with, and, and don't miss it, it comes with incredible blessing and growth for the future. God has designed it in such a way that the mother and father honoring relationship helps us grow into maturity as we grow in life in general. Third, be grateful. Nancy DeMoss in her book, Choosing Gratitude, is a great book if you've never heard of it. She says this, true gratitude is not an incidental ingredient in the Christian's life. It's a crucial one. It's a grace-infused commitment each one of us chooses. She says it's hard-fought, grace-infused, biblical lifestyle. Gratitude is an ongoing struggle. It's a matter of obedience, and it reflects the heart of Jesus. Now, by the way, in case you're wondering, gratitude is not just hard in the parental unit, by the way. It's hard in all of life, right? Especially in our world nowadays, it's really easy to look around and just be totally overwhelmed by what's going on in every vein of our world, right? But more specifically, often with parents, being grateful is hard. But I promise you this, it's worth it. It's worth it. And it's good, and it's the will of God, and it's worship. What, what, what if we looked at honoring our parents as a part of our worship? Which, by the way, we should. Even in the worst scenarios with parents, there is always something to be grateful for. You know, as I, as I thought through this this week, I couldn't help but think of Pastor Michael's story. He shared his testimony many times of being in and out of the foster care system growing up. And um, I'm sure he didn't always respond the way, you know, we are talking about responding this morning. In fact, he didn't become a believer until, you know, later in life. Uh, but what I've always found most interesting is even in the midst of the situation he came from, Michael honors his father and mother in a way that is so encouraging to me. He's so mature in this area. And he could look back and say, yeah, there was sin and disobedience and, you know, that I'd sin and disobeyed. And yeah, they could have done things better, but I honor my parents. 
I love my parents and I still learn from them. And even the grace that he showed his father as he became a believer later in life. It's an amazing story. If you've never heard it, I would totally ask you to ask him about it because he'd be more than happy to tell you. But we can look at examples like this. Uh, At the end of the day, he's a great example of what it looks like. Although it wasn't easy to honor parents, he's a great example of choosing gratitude and honor for parents. So we're almost done with the first part of this verse, and then I promise the second part will be shorter. Uh, But I want to take a few minutes to draw three more important aspects. You'll see them on the screen. Number one, when it comes to honoring parents, there's a lot of weight to parents here. And and I want to make sure we we think through this a little bit. Um, There is much responsibility and great significance in being a parent. So if you are one now, you probably hopefully know that. If not, we're going to work through that a little bit. Uh, But if you aren't one, you have them, or at least at some point had them, or have a parental type, even in the church, and we'll talk through that. And so there's a major responsibility and a great significance. And in, in short, to someone that honor is required comes much responsibility. And so we at TCC, we believe in in discipling our parents, right? There's great responsibility there, but there's also great grace. There's grace through the church, and there's grace through the scriptures, and there's grace through the Holy Spirit helping us to do that, right? And so we seek to help our parents do that, but but we see you, and we we recognize the weight. And and here's the question. Are, Are you as a parent, are you seeking the Lord for wisdom and strength to do the task? Are, are you leaning into the church for prayer and for help? And, and for those of you that might be a little older in parenting, are you seeking to be a Titus II type of parents in humility, helping the younger parents maybe avoid some pitfalls and encourage them and serve them? Maybe, maybe we as parents need to let the Lord expose a little bit of sin this morning. And I say that heartfeltfully because we should not shy away from correction. When God exposes sin and we're sensitive to it, that's God's grace in our life. If you were not sensitive to sin, I'd be worried. But guess what? When God exposes sin and we respond in humility and repentance, guess what he meets us with? Grace and patience and kindness and long-suffering. So don't shy away from sin being exposed. Side commercial here, there is a discipleship uh, series, I guess, of sorts. I don't remember the name of it. One of the ladies could probably help me. But it's for parents and children. Discipleship, we've had our first one. I actually missed it myself. Um, but it's once a month, I believe. And so if you want more information, send us an email. Ask Alyssa, ask Amy, Trey, Steph, any of the other moms in the room um, can kind of help you through that. We're providing that for you. Secondly, there's weight to the child. And, and there's some important foundation in here. Uh, we aren't just disobeying God and dishonoring parents when we choose not to obey, but there's so much more going on. We've already kind of teased through that. But, but what we are doing a disservice to ourselves as children when we choose to dishonor our parents. And the question I want to ask is how are we responding to that as children? And, and I'm not talking just to the children in this room. I'm talking about all of us. When we recognize that we're not honoring God, by honoring our parents. How are we responding to that? My challenge to you would be to submit to God and ask him to help you in these areas. As children, we bear the weight that is met with the help of Christ upon asking him, okay? So children and adult kids, which is everyone in this room, maybe the Lord's exposing some sin. Let's let's ask him for help and receive his grace. And then third, there is weight to the church. This is the church, right? We come together, we're, we're joined together by the blood of Christ in a kindred spirit. And so we do life together. How are we seeing and loving and serving our parents and children? This is an easy one for me as I thought through this this weekend. Uh, you guys love our children in a very unique way. Um, I mean, <laughs> singles and married and older married and younger married are always dealing with kids, right? And it's a good thing, right? But, but I want to press a little bit deeper, right? This is a call not just to parents, but it's also to singles. So this is a call to you, even if you never have kids or don't want to have kids or aren't able to have kids, you you have kids. The kids in the church, they're our children and they're a part of our responsibility. And so sometimes it looks like teaching them. We've got 12 people in various classes this morning, teaching our children, discipling our children. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's a gracious word to them when they're clearly having a difficult morning and not being frustrated with them and shirking them off, but, but bending down on a knee and, and trying to understand what's going on in their life and pushing them towards Jesus through the kindness and grace that you give them. 
if, if you had any idea how many conversations in my home happened throughout the week because of how you guys impacted and interacted with my children, you would be aghast. You're a big part. Some of you are like, ooh, ooh, no, I'm just kidding. You would be aghast, but, but, it, but it's a good thing, right? There's weight to the church. Sometimes, sometimes this is in the form of a quiet prayer for our families and our children throughout the week. Sometimes it's seeing the parent that clearly blew in this morning and had one of those Sunday mornings, right? Sunday morning. I don't know what it is about Sunday mornings. Good grief. It's sometimes it's just the worst morning of the week before you get to church. And then everybody kind of falls into church and you're just like, what in the world just happened? Like my children were demons on the way here. I'm not really sure what happened. Sometimes it's just you seeing that and just going the extra step to serve them and to know them and to love them. And sometimes that's even throughout the week. Like I said, this is an easy part because our church does a great job at this. But but I I do believe we can push ourselves to be better. We're we're a part of this as a church. Okay, last question that arises out of this section. Where does honor end? That might be a question in your mind, right? I'm 20, I'm 25, I'm 40, whatever the case may be. Where does this honor end? And here's what I would say to you. Do not confuse authority and honor, okay? There is a distinction. Authority has an end, but honor is perpetual. I'll say it again, authority has an end, but honor is perpetual. Parents have authority over their children for a season, but at some point that authority goes away. For whatever reason, it goes away, draws to a close as your children become adults or they begin their own lives or they get married and they do the Genesis, leave and cleave, right? They cleave to their new spouse. Authority ends, but honor does not stop. It continues on. And so when we begin to apply our newfound understanding of what honor means, this must continue throughout our entire life. That means for my parents, my dad, who's 76, I am called to honor him. And that looks in various capacities. Amy and I are even beginning to think as our parents get older, like, what does that look like? End of life care. We'll talk through some practicalities of that in a minute. Like, you know, that's a part of my responsibility. That's a part of her responsibility. That's a part of your responsibility. Honoring our father and mother is much more than how many of us have been thinking, probably, before we got here this morning. But when we read this commandment, my prayer is that our understanding is more mature for the glory of God and the good of church. All right, look at the second part of this verse, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12b. It says that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God is giving you. So here's the why. The Lord literally lays out the why within the command itself. Now, we could, we could piece together the why throughout all of Scripture, but, but here, at the end of the day, it says to honor God, number one, is the why. And you're like, wait, Chris, it doesn't say it in the verse. Well, that's okay, because we've already talked through commandments one through four. I said to you initially, the reason we obey commands five through ten is because of the foundation set in commandments one and four. We obey the fifth commandment. Because we want to honor God. In fact, you obey and seek holiness in your life throughout all of life for the glory of God. Why? To honor God. So, first and foremost, the why is to honor God. Secondly, for social order. God designs society and civilization to be built upon some sort of God-ordained social order. Okay? To reference DeYoung again, we talked through him a little bit earlier. The family was designed, don't miss this, to be the incubator for this. And it is not a stretch to say that loving your neighbor begins with loving and honoring and listening to mom and dad. I, I would have a hard time believing that you're doing and honoring God the way that he would want you to and loving your neighbor if you're unable to do it with those closest. The hard thing convicting thing but it's true alan cole in his work on exodus says god's promise is clear here and works itself out in human societies those who build a society in which old age has an honored place may with confidence expect to enjoy that place themselves one day this is not a popular doctrine in our modern world where youth is worshiped and old age is dreaded and despised secondly or thirdly why we should obey this command It says for long days in the land. I would say future and foreshadow. Okay, that's what I put up there, right? Uh, Stewart in his commentary on Exodus points out that the fourth commandment that we talked about last week, it looks back. But the fifth commandment looks forward to the future land of promise. In other words, this does not promise any of us long lives this side of heaven. Although you may have a long life. I hope you do. Maybe, you know, 
Maybe we were going to want Christ to return even more so if things continue the way they are, right? But I hope you have a long life. But this does not promise any of us long lifespans. However, here's what it does promise. It promises God's sovereign protection of his covenant people in all of eternity. That's what it promises you. We see this carried out not just in physical Israel, right? Because the remnant has been preserved. It's also carried out through the new covenant all the way to Jesus, right? So Jesus bore the wrath of God. And for all those that have a relationship with Christ, we will be preserved into eternity, right? The Lord never promises us long lives and thick wallets and easy lives. Although we may see God's grace here, right? You may have some of these things. But he promises that he will preserve his people that love him and that obey him. And then the third piece, I like this one the best. Not really, I like them all, but um, I, I kind of tell a joke that hopefully you find funny, and if not, just laugh anyways. Um, so the, the third is for practical preservation. And this just makes very simple, um, simple sense to me. Uh, just as parents who have lived long lives need to be cared for as they near the end, if each generation obeys this fifth command to the glory of God, not only will our parents be cared for by us, but guess what? We'll be cared for too. I tell my friends all the time, I have five kids, soon to be six. And if I treat all six of my kids well, and I rear them in the ways of the Lord, I feel like my chances of one of them turning out pretty okay and taking care of me and Amy when we're old is pretty high. So that's my retirement plan. I just gave you a little secret wisdom there, right? But it's practical preservation. It makes sense. God designed it this way. He doesn't, he doesn't design things that make no sense. Remember, we talked about that earlier. He designed it in such a way that when you get old, you're cared for. And when your parents get old, they're cared for. Because we're honoring our father and our mother. Not based on anything they've done or not done. Not based on any type of righteousness or unrighteousness. Because guess what? God doesn't respond to us in that capacity. We honor our father and mother because they bear the image of God and they deserve honor. Period. So I want to qualify this next part because I realize it could be a pretty sensitive topic for some. Uh, but just because it's sensitive, I don't want to shy away from it. Yet I do desire to proceed with humility and care. Um, but a question that comes to my mind is what about the outliers? OK, there's some outliers here that maybe I don't I don't know all of your backgrounds. I know most of your backgrounds pretty well, but I don't know what type of situation you come from when it comes to parents. And so a few considerations. Uh, one is what if they're not worthy of honor? What if in your mind you, you're I mean, I know some of your parents. I get it. Right. Um, what if they're not worthy of honor in your mind? And, you know, John Calvin actually worked through this quite well, if you want to go take a look. But we worked through some of his thoughts this morning. And I think he's helpful here as well. He says, the perpetual law of nature is not subverted by the sins of man. In other words, even if our parents are unworthy to be obeyed because their commands and their actions are against the commands of the Lord, commandment number five is still perpetual and is not overthrown by their sin. The mere fact that they're a father and they're a mother, they retain the right to be honored. And that's hard. That's hard sometimes. We can condemn the sinful vices of our parents, but we can still subscribe to God's law and honor them as parents that the Lord has given us. Just as God loves and brings us near in our sin, we've got to respond the same way to our parents. The second one that I would point out, what, what if there's no one to honor or their significant hurt? This could be in the event of death. Maybe your, your parents have passed or maybe there's a def, indefinite estrangement and you don't even know what to do with that. And it's very complex. Or maybe maybe there's some abuse involved. It's a really sensitive and hard topic. And so I, once again, I don't want to shy away from it, but I want to be sensitive to it. These are really, really difficult scenarios and they often come with a lot of baggage and they deserve a lot of prayer and they deserve a lot of counseling and they deserve a lot of patience and they deserve a lot of love and listening and, and long suffering. Absolutely. So first I want to say to you on behalf of TCC that that's where we find ourselves. I do not want to belittle your scenario under any circumstances. That said, 
I want to bring our minds to, I think, a few graces that God provides to us in his scripture and his church that I think really help us see how God helps us honor even when we're in scenarios like that. It's amazing to me. You know, uh, my grandmother's favorite song before she passed. So my testimony is a lot like a Lois and Eunice scenario. My grandmother was was the rock in our family. And then eventually my mother. And she loved Amazing Grace. And she would often talk about this idea that Amazing Grace isn't just amazing because God saves us, but it's amazing because it doesn't just leave us there. God gives us grace to do the things he's asking us to. So here's some graces that I think we see in scripture. Number one, regardless of the scenario you find yourself in related to parents, we all share the same heavenly father. We worship the one true God that is the father to the fatherless and he will never fail you and he will never hurt you and he will never abuse you and he will never leave you. You can always trust the heavenly father. We have access to that father because of the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, The church around you is full of godly parent types that we have access to because of our kindred connection through Jesus. You know, it's amazing for me. I thought through this this week. In fact, I texted one of my spiritual fathers this morning and just said, you know, you and your wife, Sandy, have been such an impact for Amy and I throughout my entire life. And I just want to tell you, thank you. Thank you for being obedient to God's call to speak truth in our lives and love us as parents. Even though we're not biological, I said, man, we are connected by blood through Jesus. And so remember, I I share that relationship with some of you in this church. We're not that old, but we are 40 this year. I get it, right? And some of you are in your early 20s, mid 20s. And so you, you kind of have that relationship with us or some with the guyers. I wanna see more of that happen. That's good. And so maybe this week, I would, I would challenge you, if, if someone is like that in your life now or has been like that, pop them a text. Encourage them. Send them a note. We, I still use pens. I don't know about you, but that's a cool thing to get a letter in the mail. Like Encourage them and thank God and then thank them for that. You have access to godly mom and dad types in the church. That's God's grace to us. Thirdly, all this plays into trusting God's sovereignty in your life. Even though you and I live in a sin-pervaded world, the Lord still remains on his throne. And we can trust that even though we come from some of the worst situations, we can trust that God is sovereign and he's not out of control. And if he asks us to honor our parents, we can do it. And, and if it's hard, it's good for us. Just as the Lord gave everything for us and we regularly take that for granted and choose so many things over him, we too, through the power of God's spirit, can obey the fifth Commandment. Now, last thing I would throw out to you, and then we're gonna we're gonna close this ship down. Uh, what if what if you're sitting here and you're listening to this, and you're you're a parent, and you're like, man, I've failed. Like I just, ugh, you know, or you're further along in it, or maybe you're like me and you're kind of halfway through it, and you're asking questions like, good grief, man, like the Lord has just exposed, you know, a lot of convicting things. First of all, I would say to you this, because uh, we've talked about the importance. I would say, be reminded of God's grace. Okay. Be reminded of God's grace. And I don't just say that to throw it out and be la-di-da, skittles and rainbows. But I say this to say no one in here is perfect and we all need God's grace. So if you are recognizing ways that you could be a better parent or maybe you're recognizing ways as a single that you could better serve our kids, be met with God's grace. Start there. Please, please, please start there. Don't beat yourself up. That's not what God intends. He intends to expose sin to pull you out of it and grow you into maturity, not to, not to sit there and berate you, okay? But secondly, don't set off on your own strength to, to, to try harder. Don't do it. Don't go get all kinds of resources. Maybe that's a part of your process, but don't just set off to try to do it on your own strength because that is the fastest way for true change not to happen. Here's what you do. Stop. Let God speak to you through his word, through the preaching of his word. Confess those shortcomings to the Lord, Right? Because he is faithful and just to forgive. Confess those to him and ask him in humility to forgive you and help you walk in obedience. That's where it starts. Don't don't forget that part. I don't care what it is throughout your week. Start there. And then pray for wisdom. And then seek counsel from your brothers and sisters in this church and maybe even from your pastors. And then let the Holy Spirit minister you and give you a plan, right? Think through this wisdom that you've gotten in the time you spend with the Lord to put together a way that you could be more faithful to the fifth commandment.
Now, to, to close here, how do, how do we obey the fifth commandment? We should not seek to obey the six commands at the end here on our own strength or for selfish gain or for the praise of man. As we've touched at the beginning, right, everything should flow out of our obedience and our honor and be motivated by honoring and our affection and love for God. But, but we've got to remember this obedience starts with a loving relationship between a father and his child. You know, DeYoung actually plays this out. When you read Exodus 21, 15, and even some areas in Deuteronomy, when it talks about how children should be put to death because they don't obey God, that makes Luke 15 and the prodigal son that much more amazing. Like, that's what that father and his culture would have come from. Yet, the father runs out and greets the son. Because the son is returning in humility and he's returning in obedience and he's seeking to honor. Amy and I were just talking about this this morning, just in related to a lot of areas in our life. Like even with your kids, you have to be challenged to see your kids as those who need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ and not those that are your enemies and not those that are too far gone and not those that make you so angry. And I realize those are realities of life, but if they are realities, confess them to the Lord and ask him to help you respond differently. So how does that happen? It happens through a personal relationship in Christ. Some of you here have been thinking about trusting Christ and you're not quite there. I'm telling you right now, you cannot obey the fifth commandment the way God intends for you until you have a personal relationship with Christ. And what does that mean? It means that you trust personally in the death and the burial and the resurrection on your behalf, that you see that sin was so serious and still is so serious that Christ sent his most prized possession himself to die on the cross in your place and not just to suffer a hurtful uh, uh, crucifixion, but to suffer the wrath of the Father in your place and in my place so that we would not have to suffer that. He took the debt that we deserve because God, who is rich in mercy, provided a way for us to know him and to be forgiven and to be empowered to live a life that brings him honor and glory, to live a life that can obey the fifth commandment and all ten commandments. And when we don't, a life that is met by quick and humble repentance in order to turn away and to continue to walk in obedience for Christ. It's at this point that we can obey the six commands. You know, some of us, that may describe you. You may not have a relationship with Christ. I mean, I want to talk to you about that. I would love to understand where you're at there. Maybe you can talk to someone else that you feel more comfortable talking through that with. But for some of us, you do have a relationship with Christ. And my prayer for you is that we would just grow in maturity in these areas. That we would continue to learn what it means to honor our parents, even in some of the most difficult situations. God is kind and he's long-suffering and he's patient. And we must see the fifth commandment as grace to us because of our relationship with Christ. How, how are we doing, church? Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God is giving you. Let's pray.